Hey guys, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. You know me, my name's Mac, and welcome back in for a new episode. Um, I have an interview today that I bet a lot of you are looking forward to because it's probably one of the most polarizing, if not the most polarizing episode um, I've ever recorded. Uh, before we get into it, I want to thank Kevin for last week's episode. Kevin, you had a great story, and the one thing that's resonated with me all week is about how, like you said... I just did things when I knew that they were wrong and I didn't want to do them and I did them anyway. Like, you know, when you were talking about, um, you know, taking uh, your nex's daughter to the airport and like being like, I knew this was wrong and I was on the same flight there as I was on the same flight back and I knew this was wrong and I couldn't stop myself and, and we can just relate so much to that. So, Kevin, thank you so much for last week's episode. Um, I really, you know, I feel for you, man, but um, thank you for coming on and telling your story. Um, now let's get to this week's episode. Uh, as a lot of you know, I post on Instagram that, um, I was able to get a self-aware narcissist on the show. Um, her name is Tessa. A lot of you guys follow her on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, and we had a really, really, really good conversation and I'm pretty inspired walking out of it. Um, Tessa is a, a diagnosed narcissist. Um, the episode that I'm about to put out is largely unedited because what I want to show you is how like Tessa admits that she struggles to put into words what she's feeling. And I, I truly believe that she doesn't know. Um, and I can understand how hard that has to be for someone, you know, like even though she has NPD, right? I still have the ability to see Tessa as a person and I can see that she's hurting and I can see she's doing the absolute very best she can to put her thoughts into words. Um, so that being said, I want to welcome in some of her followers um, into this episode because I want you guys to know that like, personally speaking, I don't see you guys as monsters. Okay. Um, the way I see Tessa after doing this recording and you know, the little editing that I actually did, um, I see Tessa as a person and I see her as a person that I wish my next would be. Um, you know, like, we all wish our personal narcissist could get the help that Tessa's trying to get and to be the person that Tessa's trying to be. Um, and I'll be honest, like, I loved my next. I really did. I loved her. And I wish she could do what Tessa is embarking on trying to be. Um People with NPD want to be seen as individuals, and that's something I very much gather from this episode. Um, and, like, I have people in my own circle who are telling me, Mac, don't do this episode, man. Don't put these people on, Mac. They're evil. Uh, you know, they're this and that. Don't give them a platform. And to them I say, I want you to listen to Tessa, okay? Listen to what she's trying to do here. And for me, I am seeing this in a different light, okay? So... Enjoy this episode, guys. Hey, welcome into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So uh, my heart's pumping right now. I am really excited for this episode. Um, so I have with me uh, somebody on Instagram. One of my followers on Instagram sent me a message and they said, you got to get this person on the podcast. So I sent her a message. Her name is at spirit.narc. Her name is Tessa. Tessa, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. So one of my followers said, you got to get her on. And then I just took a shot, sent her a message, and here she is. The cool thing about Tessa 
is she is diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. So I said, let's get this girl on, this woman on, and uh, let's see how the sauce is made, so to speak. Um, as, I love that. <laughs> you like that analogy? Well, listen, like as somebody who has been a victim of narcissistic personality disorder, let's get this out of the way, man. I'm scared of you. I, I am worried <laughs> right now. Huh? I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I get it because I uh, I listened to your podcast about your personal experience and you've been through the ringer. Like, it's been tough for you. And, you know, one of the things I always say is like, uh, I try to tell people not all narcissists are the same, but it's hard once you've been through something like that. So, like, so I put up a post yesterday on Instagram and I said, hey, guys, to all my followers and all my listeners to the podcast. I said, I have a diagnosed narcissist coming on the show, and I asked you guys to submit some questions, okay? And in Tess's defense, your questions are goddamn ruthless. <laughs> We're going to get into I'm prepared. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. But as an, as an empath, I even have empathy for you. Um, but listen, before we get into it, I think it's important that we hear a little bit about your story. I know you've mentioned to me in DMs and stuff, you have your own personal trauma. Um, and I know you, you know, everybody is, we're just all made up of little stories, right? Or big stories for that matter. Um, so I want to hear a little bit about how you came to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, when you were diagnosed, how you were diagnosed. And I want to hear a little bit about your story. So, yeah, I, my story starts all the way back when COVID was first hitting and I was at my parents' house and I was kind of, yeah, I'm young, by the way, I'm like 24. So I'm very newly you know, I became self-aware at a young age, which I think is also really important because the more you um, the more you live with this diagnosis and you're not aware of it, I think the more it kind of takes over your soul. But yeah, I was um, at my parents' house. Uh, I think I was like 21, maybe 22. And I was like trapped there because of COVID. Um, and so I ran away to my ex's house from their house I started doing drugs and stuff and my parents found out and they were not happy with me so um they basically like set up this neuropsych exam um like they had my uh psychiatrist set it up and my psychiatrist prompt that can I ask what you did to prompt that um oh wait what do you mean like what did you do that made them set up a psych test like that Oh, well, they found out that I was doing drugs with my ex and mm -hmm. they were very, yeah, they're very um, kind of like, they want to be in my business with everything I do. So they kind of like freaked out and they were like, okay, you know what? Like we need to get her life situated out. And they had me um, do this like neuropsych exam and my psychiatrist who I was seeing at the time for like other stuff, um, he was just like, okay, we're going to do a differential diagnosis. And they had this whole thing set up with a neuropsych and I didn't want to do it, but you know, I at the time, unfortunately was still relying on my parents for a lot of stuff like money and other things. So they were like, okay, I can do this, you know, whatever, like no complaints. So I did it, but I wasn't like a willing participant. Right. Um, they had like, it was crazy. They had like the MMPI. I don't know if you've ever heard of these things. It's like really like tests they use in court and stuff mm -hmm. like that. The M yeah, the MCMI, uh, they did, like, attention tests. They did, like, intelligence tests. And, oh, God, the intelligence tests. Uh, they were like, okay, we're going to test, like, we're going to test your intelligence. And 
I was like, I uh, I actually smoked during that part. Like I was mute at the time. I was like, I was like, because uh, I felt offended. You know, they were, they were like, okay, we're gonna like literally like put your intelligence down on paper. And I didn't want to participate in that. I didn't. I felt it was disrespectful. So basically, the point is, I wasn't a like participant. But I did all the tests anyway. And for the uh, MMPI, as I found out later, there's validity scales. So like they you can say whatever you want to on that test. You can present however you want, mm-hmm. but it will catch like little things that you don't think about. And the questions are really weird. It's like, do you want to be a florist? It's like, why are you asking me that? But they somehow like, they can figure stuff out about you, I guess, from that and come up with this really intense scale of like personality factors and diagnoses. And um, as well as that, they also talked to my uh, childhood therapist who I hated and she hated me. So that was not good. I can relate to that. <laughs> and then um, they talked to my parents and they talked to my psychiatrist. And through all of that um, and all the stuff my childhood therapist had dealt with uh, with me, you know, because I was forced to go to them, um, they came up with that diagnosis. And when they told me, I was not happy <laughs> at all. <laughs> I was like, I was pretty mad, to be honest. I uh, I kept emailing the uh, neuropsych, asking her to like reassess or do whatever, and she just blocked me after a while. So that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it comes with this certain connotation. It comes with this certain connotation that like I'm talking to a narcissist, and look at this narcissist doesn't want to be diagnosed as a narcissist, you know? Okay. <laughs> I was like, it's also the one I'm on your record. Plus, I didn't really understand what NPD was at the time. Um, it's funny because I had experience before. Like, I, God. So I, yeah, I was emailing this neuropsych saying, like, take this off my record. You know, change my diagnosis. This isn't right. You know, you didn't do your testing correctly. All this stuff. I was really angry. And um, after that, I just kind of ignored it all. I was like, okay, well, she was stupid. I was, <laughs> I was like. Okay, this doesn't... Listen, in your defense, I have, and I've said it on this podcast several times, my faith in the mental health industry is low, okay? So I can relate. And she was rude, too. She's not a very nice person. Um, She kind of treated me like a number in the system. But anyway, you know, so I denied... I just tried to erase the whole thing. Um, I was just like, okay, you know, I discounted her in my head. I was like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. You know, I don't need to deal with this. And then... Literally a month later, I was still doing drugs. I was still doing all this stuff. I was not in a good place in my life. Like, I wasn't feeling well looking back on it. But I didn't care. I was, like, really reckless. And I had one night a drug overdose on psychedelics. And from that point on, my entire life was just turned upside down. Because I had this incredibly horrifying um, insight experience. It was like a ego death. I don't know if anyone knows what that is just in case you don't it's like ego dissolution on psychedelics so your entire sense of self is like dissolving um you're tripping balls you're like seeing all this <laughs> you're yeah, seeing yeah. all this weird shit about yourself and the world and psychedelics tend to have an effect where they show you truths that you may or may not want to see um but i had a really really bad experience and then when i woke up and I finally realized I was like overdosing on drugs because I got really paranoid too. I was just like, okay, it's all going to go back to normal the next day. And I woke up and I w- felt like I was floating. 
and something was just messed up in my psyche and it I didn't ever return back to the way I used to be and it turns out that I developed PTSD from the whole thing um, because it was so traumatizing and you know I always say like the worst thing that a narcissist could possibly go through is an ego death that's that's some real shit yeah Yeah. and I you know from then on it was like my life slowly unraveled and I just I had to face a lot of things I feel like the experience brought all my trauma to the surface it brought like you know everything I'd ever been through because I think with narcissists um there's a lot of repression going on which is why they can do a lot of the things they do and not feel for it or not care or not you know they don't even know how they feel inside um a lot of the time it's like repression 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 and so all that stuff came to the surface everything I'd ever been through everything I'd ever done um and I had to like I couldn't run away anymore and that's when I started taking my diagnosis seriously like taking a second look at it and then deciding what to do with my life from there because it got really yeah I can imagine so would you say so when you had that trip right and and it all went awry so was that when you started therapy no (laughs) I was like I I mean this is a common thing with narcissists I feel like we don't want to face things um because we've been through a lot and i tried actually after my psychedelic experience to go back to the way i used to live i was in denial for a long period of time and eventually um god i don't know i was feeling miserable every day i just i was dealing with ptsd now which is a whole nother diagnosis and i was having symptoms of that and then i was just like one day i just gave up and i was like okay my life is not going to go back to the way it was. I have to accept that and I have to move forward. And then I was willing to go to therapy simply because I was miserable. Like I was dealing with stuff that I didn't even understand what was happening, which is like what happens when a narcissist, I guess, breaks down, collapses. I mean, there's words for it. I don't know if you've ever heard of narcissistic collapse before. Um, Well, I would think it's most like an ego death, no? Yeah, it's, Basically, um, it's the worst thing that can happen to a narcissist. It's where your sense of self just kind of like falls apart. Um, your co- old coping mechanisms aren't working anymore for whatever reason. And um, yeah, you know, it's... Is it guilt? But, Is it guilt? No, I wouldn't say that. It's like, it's still, I gotta say, it's still kind of self-centered. <laughs> it's more about... It's fair. I, yeah, it, I, I'll get into the discussion of, you know, how I deal with guilt now, if I feel it or not. But, like, um, it was the sheer misery that I was in and that, like, propelled me to want to change and want to go to therapy and want to live my life differently at first. It was, like, all about, like, I can't stand another day of feeling like this. Um, and I think that's what it takes, to be honest. Is that accountability? Um. I mean, yeah, you can say that. It, it was like facing things. So, like, for example, I had to face the fact that I may or may not have played a part in my relationship uh, being really difficult because uh, I'm with a partner. Uh, we've been together for five years and the relationship was also in chaos at the time. So, you know, there was that aspect of it. There was um, facing the fact that, you know, what really is my diagnosis? What does it mean? Um, you know, like, because people just say, like, they throw around the word narcissist a lot. 
I feel like. But having the actual diagnosis means like your sense of self at its core is kind of messed up from like childhood, early experiences. You know, I had to explore what that meant for me and whether I really wanted to continue living this way. So it was in a way taking accountability, I feel like. So what was the difference in the way you functioned in the world prior to the diagnosis and then from like that line in the sand on how did you like exist in the world uh yeah so i god before my diagnosis i was really just doing whatever i wanted without really thinking about what i was doing or caring what i was doing i was in like an open relationship and i had several relationships that were just in chaos and you know i would if the relationship got too chaotic i would just throw it away and find another one basically i was just like i was i was people like use tissues or something i don't want to i don't know listen i'm not i'm not cool i'm not the thing that gives me pride in myself is like i view myself as like i wanted to view myself as kind but it was so weird it was like so many layers of delusion where i would be like sitting listening to a person and i would be like man look how kind i am i really am the best friend I'm really so great. Like, it was like but it was, it was self-serving, so that you can say that about yourself. It was more self. Yes, but 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 in the in the moment, I really thought I was a kind person. It was insane. Like, uh, you know, looking back on it, I was a really different person. I think I was just acting without knowing what I was doing. It's so funny because as I listen to you talk, I'm like, well, I must be a fucking narcissist then, because like, there's sometimes I sit there and I'll be like, no, I'm here for this person, right? Like, I'm listening to somebody. <laughs> I, I don't think like I'm trying to get anything out of this. And like, that's, that's what happens, you know, when you, you sit there and like a lot of us sit there and we go, maybe I'm the narcissist, but no, that's, that's the thing. Everyone has traits. Uh, it runs on a spectrum for sure. Yeah. It runs on a spectrum and it's very like common to have those experiences. And when you break down what NPD really is, it's, it's like the end of the spectrum. It's um, these behaviors, but like out of control. Um, everyone has tendencies, I feel like. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So are you capable of feeling regret? Um, oh man, <laughs> I've thought about that one. Um, so you know what's interesting is I'm still, I feel like I'm still in my journey of recovery. I do consider myself a recovering narcissist and still I feel like I struggle to access a lot of emotions and one of them would probably be that um guilt as well and I don't know why exactly I'm trying to process through it like I think I tell myself like you know well you know this is the best I could do in this moment the thing that I just did well you know like I didn't know any better it wasn't my fault it's like this rationalization and I don't know why I'm like avoiding feeling that or if I'm avoiding feeling that or if I can't even access it at this point, but it's, it's complicated. You know, I'm looking at you. So you and I are on video. Nobody can see us right now when the podcast airs, it'll be just audio, but I'm looking at you and I'm thinking like, I believe this girl genuinely feels this way. Like I, I genuinely think that like, as I'm looking at you, I don't think this is like an act. I don't think that you're like putting on a show or anything. I'm watching you. And I'm the only way I can sort of relate to it in like, so if I were to viscerally feel this is I'm, I'm so much yeah. thinking like I would feel numb. Like, how do I like, like, yeah. re, like when I was saying regret, like, it's like, I don't, you ever, you're like, um, well, I don't know if you could feel this way, but like, 
Like if I want to cry, right? Like, and I can't, like the tears won't actually come out. That is like, that is like my life. That yeah. is, I literally, okay. I wish I could cry more just because, you know, it took me a while to see crying is not pathetic. I mean, through spirituality and other means, I've been realizing it's actually good to let it all out. And now I'm like, I can't let it all out. It's still like I'm not used to it. I totally relate to that. <laughs> you mentioned spirituality. So like, do you use spirituality as a crutch? Like for your actions? I mean, for me, I feel like spirituality is what helped me accept what I thought was unacceptable. I mean, like, for example, um, I when I first developed PTSD, the symptoms started hitting and I would get panic attacks at work or just at a party or just random places. And I was the type of person beforehand that thought like any sign of emotion like that made a person pathetic. But then it was happening to me. And I was like, well, whoa, <laughs> we can't go there. We can't go in there with that. You know, like I can't be pathetic. There's so no if way. someone's crying, what? So if someone's crying in front of you because of something you did, how? I'm gonna say, how do you feel? But do you feel in that moment? Do you feel? It depends. Um, it's just kind of a personal topic for me, but I do want to talk about it. Hey, listen, anything I say that's overstepping your boundaries. Yeah, not at all. Uh, it's just, it is personal to talk about. I mean, um, uh, there is an example recently of this, like where I got in a fight with my partner and, you know, him and I have come a long way, by the way. Like our relationship used to be, if I'm being honest, the typical codependent narcissist relationship for like two years. And neither of us were self-aware. And, you know, codependency has its own toxicity that can come out. But sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, for, for sure. I can tell you I was a very toxic person within that. Yeah. I, like, original, I was super toxic. Yeah. It's it's you know, there's always it always takes two to tango, I say. And I'm not saying that anyone deserves abuse. But, you know, like with him, he was unself-aware. I was unself-aware. It was just this toxic thing. And nowadays we barely fight the way we used to um but there have been some times where we get into fights and I get really triggered and there was one time where you know my partner broke down crying in front of me and I felt what I could only describe as absolutely nothing but what's really going on there you know like I don't think I think it's like a defense like a wall like a very fence yeah yeah because there are things happening underneath that um because when the fight progressed uh, and, you know, like we had sort of made up, I was just like, I don't want that to happen again. You know, I don't know if that's like regret or whatever. I was just like, I, it's not like I just completely don't care. Um, but in those moments when I'm really, really triggered, I, yeah, there's often a sense of just numbness. People have even come to me saying like, maybe this is dissociation in its own way. Um, and, you know, it's such a severe level of dissociation from real feelings that it allows a narcissist to do whatever the hell they want. And they can even convince themselves that, like, you know, they don't care. Uh, I, it, I feel like disassociation is almost an understatement. Yeah, it's it's beyond that. It's like it's it's so hard to describe. It's like a personality like God early. I feel on. like we're addressing this from like a intellectual yeah. point of view rather than like an emotional point of you and I think I can almost accept the fact that I can't understand or identify with the feeling that you're talking about yeah uh, so I often discuss stuff from an intellectual point of view because that's like the only point of view I can come at it with 
you know, I often don't even know what I'm feeling inside. So, but like, yeah, when you're in that moment, it's not like, you know, my, I don't see my partner as like this person that I just absolutely don't give a fuck about. And I just use him and whatever. It feels like, um, it feels like to me, I am trying to love him through like a million brick walls. And sometimes those walls are just like so, it's like a labyrinth. It's confusing to even me. And, um, you know, I act out without knowing why I'm acting out. Um, and then like when I was unself-aware, I used to rewrite stuff. Uh, so like I would go through a situation. I would, honestly, I would sometimes cause trauma to another person or, you know, like we'd have a really severe fight and I would like hurt their feelings or whatever. And then I would just be like, well, that wasn't my fault. You know, they did this to me. And so, you know, I'm justified. Uh, I don't have to feel anything. I don't have to feel bad. That was how my mind used to work. And then I would be like, um, I would just be like, uh, sometimes I used to rewrite the entire scenario where it would be like, okay, well, it's hard to explain. <laughs> no, you're explaining it actually really well. And I'll tell you what, you're triggering me. Because like from the other side of the, the table or the other side of the computer monitor right now, I want to shake the computer and go feel something for me. You know, <laughs> like I'm on your boyfriend. I want to be like, fucking feel something for and me. And that's what it's in. Yeah. And PD is tragic, to be honest, for like both people, because from a narcissist perspective, we didn't usually get a lot of things in our childhood that we just we do want that we want love we want attention we just want to be noticed but then there's like all this chaos you know and this other person is on the other side trying to scream out like I want to love you I want to give you love I want to give you the attention I want to give you a good life and it's like you know like because I've seen my partner do exactly what you just described where he just literally wanted to shake me and just be like please feel something for me like I'm just trying to love you and I would be so triggered that I'd be somewhere else off in my head right okay but then okay so here comes the other side of the coin right so what makes that turn sinister that's a really good question um for me I I think everyone has the capability to be cruel but with narcissists especially on self-aware ones um they kind of just repress what they're really feeling so much that it's hard for even them to access and then they're kind of living on this surface level where they can just do things and it's easier to hurt people when you're living like that i don't know if that makes sense no it doesn't really <laughs> okay it doesn't no <laughs> keep going though maybe maybe we'll tap into it keep going yeah um like here tell me your original question again i'll try to explain well, it so you were saying like you know you don't feel anything right you don't feel as your partner's sitting there crying to you and they want to shake you and they say i want you to feel something right and you're yeah. like i'm loving somebody through a million brick walls right yeah at what point that, does that turn sinister i mean at that point when i'm sitting there and i'm not feeling anything i feel like i'm acting from this place of like complete detachment and that can be dangerous because when you feel completely detached from somebody to the point where, you know, I'm looking at him and I don't even see like that's my partner. I just see like a threat. I just see someone who insulted me or uh, made me feel challenged or whatever it is. It's like completely taken over uh, how I feel. And when I'm acting from that place, it 
can be a little bit easier than it would be for most people to say certain things, to do certain things um, that, you know, are cruel. And, you know, my partner has told me that sometimes I can be very cruel and we're working on that. Like, there was a time recently where I got really, really triggered and he just said, you know, I know you're in there. As in, like, I know you're in here, in your heart. Like, and it was able to kind of bring me out of it. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, I actually do love this man. Like, what am I doing right now? But you get so detached. It's it's really hard to explain. So, okay. So, Tessa, so um, one of the questions that I got on this Instagram post that I put up and I said, I'm interviewing a, a self-aware narcissist. Do you guys have any questions for her? So you're saying, right, that, um, you know, you feel attacked, you feel threatened, you, you know, you feel like you're backed against a corner, right? How calculated... This is like some like a reoccurring theme I get on this Instagram messages. Oh, for sure. How calculated is that? Is it like micro dosing where like you you start a little bit now and then you work up to the big like tear down or like how calculated is this reaction? I mean, for me, because uh, I can only speak from personal experience, I don't feel like I'm acting out of a place of calculation um, up until a point where I'm very 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 triggered and would you, you know what narcissists do sorry i don't mean to interrupt you would you say no, narcissists yeah. do i yes no problem i wanted to address that too because i was just gonna say um <laughs> sorry i'm sorry like, to it's okay yeah like not every narcissist is the same and some of them have you know comorbidities and some of those comorbidities can be sadism or you know and sadism doesn't actually align with NPD at all. It's actually uh, masochism that aligns with narcissism more than anything, which is a surprise to a lot of people. But narcissists can have like add-ons that completely changes the personality of each narcissist. And, you know, mine is uh, HPD. And, you know, a lot of people probably won't know what that is. It's histrionic personality disorder. Um, And that means, you know, like, basically, I'm not the type of person who is like, malignant or vindictive, or, you know, I'm just trying to get my needs met. There are some narcissists out there that, you know, can be purposely cold and calculating, but if they are, they probably have other comorbidities. It's a really complicated thing. So when you say you're trying to get your needs met, is that attention? Is that monetarily? What is that? Your needs being met? I mean, for me... Are they basic human needs? Yeah. I mean, I would say a lot of them are. Like love, you know, um, people say that you know do narcissists really need love i think so i think that they want that deep down even if they can't admit it usually it wasn't safe to want that in childhood so that's a big thing but for me i'm like an empty cup that you're pouring into that never gets filled yeah yeah to be honest that's that's a real struggle i mean um god like i just was filming for like this company that works with vogue and the high from that like feeling like I was famous feeling like I you know felt good within myself it only lasted like two days and then it's like I'm bored now you know like it's never enough and that's that's a that's a problem yeah for sure that's that's funny, I don't know if you listen to punk rock music do you listen to punk rock music at all a little bit maybe no, there's a band <laughs> Not- called senses fail and uh there's a line in one of his songs where he goes all I want is some fame so baby pour some fame in my glass but like I don't know. It's just going to my the head. Glass, right the glass has like a crack in it, right? It, it's a bottomless pit yeah. that like, and I'm, and like, I don't want to call you a bottomless pit, but it's just like, 
for the listeners out there, I'm sure they're probably driving in their car. They got their headphones in right now and they're going, I gave you love, you know, like I gave my narcissist love and it was never fucking oh, yeah. enough. Oh yeah. Because, um, in my opinion, there is only so much another person can do. Um, you know, like I'm at the point where I've had to realize that this is reality and, you know, my partner can't ever fill that hole. Um, but that took a lot of realization because when I was first self-aware, I was demanding for him to like make it better, to like finally give me what I have always wanted. And it doesn't work like that. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of healing that person has to do, to be honest, because it's never going to be filled. It's never going to be right. filled by other people. And I'm starting to realize that for sure. Well, so, okay. So that's, that's a good uh, segue into therapy. Okay. Because, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I saw one of your recent stories and you said, I just walked out of therapy and I actually felt heard and I actually felt understood. And, you know, by uh, something about like, they wanted to send you like emotion scale or something. You're like, that shit's going <laughs> in the garbage. And I just saw it. Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's stuff's going in the garbage. Cause uh, I wasn't immediately good at it. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell us. Tell us how you attempt to reform yourself, I guess. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So I think that the best thing a narcissist can do if they're finally self-aware is um, try and face a lot of, you know, the inner turmoil and work through it by themselves or like with a therapist to, you know, uh, stop feeling so much like you're in bottomless pit or whatever <laughs> because um there's a lot of unhappiness there um and for me I started doing stuff like trying to be grateful which is such a simple thing but I mean I'm somebody who like can get into an entire depression like a rageful depression just because I don't have certain things and I used to constantly like live in this state where I was like I literally hate other people I just want what they have I'm so sick of like living like this. This isn't fair. Why me? You know, all this stuff when, you know, I could be out there feeling a lot happier than I used to uh, feel. And, you know, like, it's hard to explain, but like, I feel like a lot of narcissists do a job of doing it. No, I'm getting it. Thank you. Yeah. Like a lot of narcissists don't live for anything, but, you know, like these feel good moments and, I mean, like, for me, I struggled to have hobbies outside of wanting to be famous. Like, I just did everything for fame. And then my emotions would be defined by how well it was going, what other people were thinking of me. And, you know, when I got a lot of hate, it would just cause me to be bitter and I would rage out on these people. And um, it was like a whole process. So I'm trying to, I guess, broaden my life, like, integrate more things into my life. Um like become a more well-rounded person because when I'm in those states of bitterness, I think that's where the most hatred from me comes like towards other people towards um, like, I, I don't know, I get very unfeeling and it's not a good place to be internally or externally. Like if you're around me, you know, like it's... is there, is there something that therapy can do for you or a technique that a therapist can use that might make you able to connect with, for lack of a better term, a victim? Like, is there something that a therapist can do? Um, or like, is there something? Yeah, I, wanna, I don't know. Yeah, like, 
like connect in what way like um feel something is there something you know to identify with where the other person is coming from <laughs> is that just not in the cards Oh, no, I was just caught up on the word victim. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, and I didn't want to use it. And and you know what? I, I didn't stop to think of a better word. Yeah, no, I know. It's okay. You know, that's what... I just want to say one quick thing about that. It sucks that there's so much, like, information out there just about, like, oh, God, like, just, you know, you're the victim and the narcissist is, like, out to get you. It's really not like that. I hope we can go into that a little bit more. Sure, yeah, let's do it. But, but, yeah, to answer your question... um. I think that the only way that I personally was able to start connecting with my partner and like truly letting his love in is when I was hitting rock bottom and I literally was just like, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, uh, I didn't want to like, rock bottom is like rock bottom. I didn't want to be on this planet. And then I was just like, oh, okay. He wants to continue loving me, whatever. Like um, he wants to know what I'm going through. Fine. I just didn't care about. And a lot of those walls just came down because I was just so miserable. Um, And I allowed someone for the first time to see deeper into me and to, like, truly understand me more. And I think that was the first time, like, after I started getting out of that really bad place where I could say that I truly started feeling like understanding what true love was. Because before again, me and my partner thought we were in love, but it was a lot of, like, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you, you know, toxicity, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I bet everybody listening to this, that makes sense. (laughs) And it didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like, I used to like face him and I would say stuff like, I would think stuff like, man, I just love how he makes me feel about like in this way or that way. And it was never about like, what do I love about him? And, you know, I... I realized that you can't really be happy with that type of love. Like you're always going to be dissatisfied. It's like a shallower version of a real relationship, if that makes sense. So if you you say, and I, and I agree with you, the word victim, I don't like the word either. And I couldn't stop it from coming out of my mouth. Is, it, <laughs> is there something, um, you know, there should have been a better word choice. How would you like it to be addressed if it was Tessa's world? I think that um, it should just be addressed as a dysfunctional relationship. And, you know, the word victim kind of gives the interpretation of like praying, like this person's praying on you. When a lot of times it's just a traumatized person that hasn't dealt with their own shit. That's just like letting loose on everyone around them, feeling selfish or whatever. But it comes from it doesn't come from a place in my experience of like I am targeting this person I'm going to use this person for my needs you know I don't care about it's like that's such a cold and calculated mindset and a lot of these people um who are like cluster b they don't feel that way they just feel like they're I guess trying to get their needs met but they have all these maladaptive coping mechanisms and people are getting hurt around them and a lot of times they don't even understand why and it just yeah it's I don't know how I can explain this, but like, really, no, doing it. You're doing it. I think yeah, like, a little bit too. So I think you're a little too hard on yourself because you're doing it. Well, like, it's just so difficult to like put this into words. It's like being having NPD when it's untreated is like living in a bubble, and your view of the world and other people is just like 
you're viewing it through a glass that's like foggy and you're not seeing anything the way it actually is. And that's why my psychedelic experience changed my life because it, it showed me what was really going on. And, you know, a narcissist will often feel really justified in what they're doing. Um, they think like, they honestly, have, like most of the time feel like you're the, the villain in the story. Like, you know, I'm this poor person that like all this stuff is happening to, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It totally yeah. does. Well, so I'm, uh, you know, I think you and I both have to understand that we can't necessarily relate to each other. And some of the things that we're saying, we can't necessarily relate. So, um, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, I can understand, but I can't relate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think I think with some of the things that you're saying, I'm listening and it's like, I understand past trauma and things like that. So um, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but. Yeah. No, I get it. Like, maybe we should address it from, like, how I can help other people understand that. Right. Well, okay. If you did understand me, if you related, I'd be like, you should probably, like. <laughs> no, no, I you don't. Look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I honestly don't. And yeah. don't take that the wrong way, but I just don't. But, um, okay. Listen, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're going, you know, we've been talking for about 40 minutes. And I think what we should do, if you're up for it, is can I read some of these comments on this post and and let's address some of these things and um I want to I want to say like you know just like I put on this post I want things to come from a respectful point of view right like I'm not ch- I, we're honestly trying to do this from an educational standpoint so if there's anything you don't want to answer if there's any something you know you feel uncomfortable we don't have to answer it, all right just see so okay I think that's so. like the I, yeah I just want to say real quick that like. Yeah, I think that's like the best goal here because I feel like I'm a, I'm trying to appeal to an audience of people who who are not going to relate to and right. I get it. No, yeah, no, I get it. All right. So, like I said, if there's nothing, if there's anything you don't want to answer, just tell me, okay? okay. But so, a Farragway on the Instagram post said, "How are we supposed to believe anything they say? How are we supposed to believe anything you say on this?" And I put, "It's definitely on my list of questions." So. We want to take you at face value, but because of our own experiences and, and narcissistic experiences, how do we how do we take this at face value? I guess you'd have to think about like, the reasons why I would be lying. I mean, because like I could just say, I, I mean, you don't have to believe anything I'm saying. I understand that, like, you know, people are very cautious of narcissists for, you know, reasons because they've been through those relationships. But um I'm out here just in my personal experience, tired of like the world seeing so much misinformation about NPD. So I really just want to like tell you all the truth because I'm tired of like going online personally and seeing like narcissists are preying on you. They're out to get you. They're targeting you. I'm just like, mm, no, that's not how it really is. I feel like disrespected by seeing that stuff i feel invalidated because i live with this diagnosis so you know i have every reason to be honest because i want people to be like no you know like this is how it really is and when i've been honest about stuff it's actually like caused a lot of people on tiktok and instagram to heal because they understand the reason behind what might have really been going on why someone would ever treat them like that i think in talking to you i realize you know we both were kind of squirming at the word victim before but i think i do see this from your side of view that it's a toxic relationship right and yeah 
you know, I, my, my next, although I'm not going to say I'm not a victim of her narcissistic personality disorder, but she, you know, you touched on this earlier. She is a victim of my toxicity while I was in the relationship and, and yeah. my reaction. So I can see that. I can see that from, from your side. And I think, you know, maybe you're a victim of yourself almost, you know? Yeah. I was going to say like, it's so much healthier for healing, um, on both sides to view it as, um, you know, just a dysfunctional relationship and try not to be like, uh, cause people can get into a victim mentality where they're like, um, obsessing over this stuff and they're not moving on from it. They're just on all these forms about narcissistic abuse and just being like, why this, why that, you know, and there's no healing going on, uh, in my opinion, cause like people are just, it, it's a very, um, it's almost like a mindset because they're so traumatized by the relationship that they feel like they need to know like the answer to everything in order to feel okay. And when you just like, when you see yourself as like, um, God, I don't know. It's hard to, I don't know. No, no, I, I get it. You keep saying, I, 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 so I do get it. That's the thing. I'm no, to... fucking say it, man. <laughs> don't worry about offending people. I'm trying to like come at this from like a, I don't think it is the best choice to like think of like victim and predator type of mentality it's more like just address it as what it is a dysfunctional relationship try to move on from the hurt try to move on from the abuse that happened and you know yeah when you say move on when you say move on does that is that moving on while existing in that relationship or are you saying moving on from the relationship I'm seeing moving on from the relationship because when you're existing in it, yeah. I just realize how difficult, you know, like coming from my perspective here, I am young and I have not had, you know, I became self-aware early. So I didn't know there were all these stories out there, like what could happen with kids in the picture? What could happen with, oh yeah, it gets yeah. insane. It, you know, I didn't even know, like I've been I've been taught something by, you know, the people on TikTok, by the people on Instagram that come to me and say, like, this is what I'm going through. I'm like, you know, no wonder you're upset. No wonder you're bitter. There's all this stuff going on and it can get pretty bad. So to the people who are still in those relationships, I mean, it's just rough. That's all I can say. It's it's difficult. Some people feel trapped in there. And I you would encourage people to move on from the relationship. I would if. Um, if you're like aware that it's a dysfunctional relationship and you're aware that the person is not at all self-aware and they're not going to be anytime soon, it's, it's best to try to move on for sure. And, you know, people have come to me in my DMs and they're like, how can I make him or her see the truth and whatever? For some people, it's, it's not going to, you, it's not your job to do that for them um they have to go through their own journey and you know you, you know oh, i know saying, what you're yeah. saying i know what you're saying yeah. but so many so many of us sit there and they go fuck i you know as if you want to call us the empaths or whatever you want to call us we sit there and we go but i want this relationship but i want to fucking stay in it and i don't want to leave but i have no other choice and we're conflicted yeah. we're conflicted we're conflicted and you know, being on the other side of it now for nearly a year, I would say get the fuck out. But I still, there's a version of yeah. that a year ago that was saying like, no, I can't leave this. And I get it. Yeah, because I mean, you when you're in that place, you've spent so much of your life um, 
with this person. You probably have like maybe you have kids with this person. You have like this life that you felt and it's really hard. Like I get how hard it is to just like throw that all away and like make that decision. Like this is really not going to go anywhere. This is bad for me. Um, so people, yeah, people are in chaos. They're like a lot of times trying to cling on to the relationship, try to get this person to be self-aware. And I get it, but man, I get so many of these people in my DMs and I'm just like, it ultimately isn't your responsibility to make them self-aware. And if you go to them and let's just say, you say, I think you're a narcissist. I think you have NPD uh, or like try to approach it. There's a lot of times just going to be defensiveness from the person if they're not self-aware. Like they might turn it around on you in some way. Uh, it's just so complicated. So, Well, so Tessa, let me ask you this. Let's keep going with the questions here because this ties in pretty well, right? So the Bell Flowers Clinic asks, how badly do you feel the pain of possible abandonment or rejection? Does it feel like dying? You don't really make plans to do and say nasty manipulative things, do you? So what happens internally to you at the thought of rejection <laughs> i'm sorry that was just quite a question um well first of all i wanted to address um like the abandonment thing or god can you just read that to me again <laughs> sure sure yeah so the question again hold on i scrolled away uh how badly do you feel at the pain of possible abandonment or rejection does it feel like dying the thing is i have like a million defenses against that statement because I, I want to be like, but <laughs> sure, that's why you're here. I want to be like, I want to be like, um, first of all, you know, like, um, I don't, I don't feel like, um, if I was in a situation where someone walked away, I would just be like, well, you know, they didn't see my greatness. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, am I really being just tossed away? Like, I, I like to think of myself as, you know, unforgettable. And it challenges that for me when someone, when someone, oh, shit, is my partner going hang on? It's cool. Hey, Kitty. I'm just recording something, so can you go in the room? Okay. <laughs> you were on a roll there, I'm sorry. So, it's cool. what was I saying? So you were saying you have like a million responses to yeah, that, yeah, that question of, abandonment i mean i think that if i were to think to myself um you know someone is walking away from me um you know because i'm like a terrible person or this or that um i would like i don't know i would like freak out i don't know like i i don't i refuse to see myself that way like um i've had people try like i've had people can I think about this for a second? Do it, yeah. Um, so we're talking about abandonment. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about abandonment, and and I think you did address it. I think I understand what you're saying. Is like I I would I would feel yeah I would feel like is there a narcissistic injury that accompanies that or no? You just think I would no I'm, I'm the shit and fuck them for not seeing. It. <laughs> well, I mean I have a story here, um, but like I don't know it. I had one person get really tired of, um, you know, the chaos that was that relationship when I was like unselfware and they chose to just be like, okay, I'm going to block you. Don't talk to me. And I did not react very well. I got really mad because in my head it was like, you know, 
how dare you disrespect me like that? You know, like, am I not the greatest person you've ever met? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was all these like, fucking course you would. <laughs> well, the reason that, you know, I was feeling that way is I, f- I feel like it was probably like covering up something, but I don't know if I'm comfortable going into that. That's okay. I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of narcissists have trauma over like being forgotten and we don't want to be forgotten. So if someone dares like do that, it's like, are you saying I'm forgettable? Fuck you. I'm going to make sure I'm unforgettable. And that's, that's why they, a lot of narcissists will like, I mean, if you go through with something like divorce or like some crazy stuff and you try to like walk away, they'll freak out because they don't want to be forgotten. It's, it's a trauma response. And they will do a lot of behaviors that seem cold and calculated and horrible, but it's because they're so triggered because deep inside there's like, you know, a person that was often glossed over maybe in childhood and it's like a trauma response. I know people are probably not going to sympathize, but no, I you know, completely get it. And I'm the whole time I'm, I, I'm not even seeing you right now. I'm seeing my ex. Really? Completely, completely get it. Completely. I wholeheartedly get that. And, and, and it's you know, so because like you don't know people don't want to go through that you know like on your side of things you're just seeing this person do all this horrible stuff to like remain in your eyesight or like to you know whatever but it's it's just an unhealthy like it's it's no I think you're helping a lot of people with that I think you're yeah. I think you hit the, the nail on the head and I think you verbalized yourself very well with that and I think a lot of people can relate to that yeah, it's um, hard for me to even admit that too. With Instagram. Oh, but I think you're doing great. Can I ask another question? Yeah, go for it. All right. So Miriam underscore D underscore B asks, do you really love your new supply? And why can you move on so quickly from an old relationship into a new one? Why do you want to be quote unquote friends with your ex? That person cracks, that cracks me up because um, <laughs> they're so totally seeing their ex in place of me. And that's okay. You know, I get that. Because number one, I don't have a quote unquote new supply. I'm in a pretty decent relationship that's going really well. Um, so that's not even me. But I can give you my perspective on that. Oh wait, do you know this person? <laughs> no. Probably. <laughs> I don't. I just think I think this question kind of like uh, you. The way you made it sound is like that's somebody who knows you, who knows your ex boyfriend or your current boyfriend or something, and you stole. Oh no! I'm no! No! I'm no! <laughs> no! 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 no. So I'm shocked. I... I'm just shocked. The no, it's more like you know I'm reading this and I'm like they're not seeing me as an individual at all right now. They're addressing no. me as, as whoever their ex is. But again, I'm... you're the spokesperson for this right now. Like I want you to know, you did kind of take this on. Like so, like when I... when they say, do you love your new supply? So oh, as somebody, so one thing I want to say is God, people that supply. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, God, I. I think that's so ridiculous. I don't think we think. Okay, so I don't want to say I don't want to be the spokesperson for empaths out there, and I don't necessarily think you're the spokesperson for nurses. But what I can say is what I can relate to is that my individual personal ne- uh, narcissist, I almost called her the nexercist. Um, she, my friend, gave her that name. So, um, my feeling is she moved on from me. We were married for nine years. She got into a new relationship in five weeks after nine years. So yeah, and my- that that's insane, right? That that's that's crazy to think right. about, right? Right. I can t- kind of tell you what I think might be going on there. I mean, like, if oh God, 
let's just say I'm, you know, in that situation. If I were with someone for nine years and they chose to, were you the one that walked away? Uh, what, what was the deal? It's yeah. I told her I wanted a divorce, so she put a restraining oh, order on me. Okay. See, right there is a massive trigger for her. So mm-hmm. what she would probably do in that situation is, um, try to rewrite everything. So like, oh well, no, I never loved him anyway. This and that. It, it's there's so many defenses that come up that whatever original emotions were there, no matter how true they were, she can rewrite over them as like a defense against, you know, otherwise feeling like shit. Because I mean. Otherwise, she would probably be like, I'm a literal failure of a person. I'm the worst, you know, and, you know, like, and that's, yeah, she'd like hate herself or that's whatever. ego death, as you referred to before. Yeah, but, but yeah, which is the, which is like, which can actually lead to like suicidal ideation, crazy stuff. Um, I'm coming here from a psychology nerd type of place, but I've spoken with a lot of people on my side of things, like the cluster bees of this world. And it's a dangerous, scary place to go to. So there's a lot of defenses that come up. I feel like where, you know, narcissists can literally work themselves into a delusion where, you know, the relationship was completely, oh, it was always a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't need him. Uh, God, like, I wish I hadn't wasted all my years. It's like this, uh, it comes from like a place of self-pity and stuff like that, but it's protective for the person. And then as for like getting a new person within like, sometimes one or two days like one week whatever um it can i don't know it could be a lot of things like a type of like i'm gonna show you that like this never mattered to me anyway because you were the first let us say yeah it true that they do it so like they can show that like from like a narcissist standpoint like i'm not the problem I you were the problem not me that could put, like that could be part of it for sure but i think it's more about the insult of you walking away, to be honest, about you saying, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to forget you. I'm going to go move on with someone else. That's like, that is such a challenge to someone like that. That's such a unbearable thing. So they'll, you know, like. I can see you going through it right now on the screen. Yeah. I mean, I'm imagining myself in that position. Yeah, I can. I'm watching you go through it. Nobody else can see you, but I'm watching you feel it right now. I'm watching you feel it. Yeah, I know. I'm triggered. Like, I know I, yeah, the fact that, like, I relate to her is probably bad. But, you know, like, also, God, it's a mess. I heard in your podcast a lot of the things that she did. I think I listened to, like, half of it. And, you know, I've never done stuff like that. So it's more like the general gist of it. She's an individual. I can imagine her situation as, like, she would be, like, triggered as hell. And, thinking oh well see i'm just already with this new person you never mattered to me as a like fuck you for like how dare you be the one to walk away how dare you be the one to end it and on your side you know you're clearly feeling like i tried to make this work right i tried and i don't have any other options but she's not going to take it that way you know mm-hmm. people don't take it that like narcissists don't take it that way when they're unself-aware they take it as like okay yeah no yeah. i'm with you so here's another good question right and i'd like so when we're talking, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to yeah. link this up with the comments in this post, right? So yeah. Doug Buggle asks, why would a narcissist go completely no contact with their victim? Isn't it usually the other way around? Is this the silent treatment to punish them for leaving? Or do they think about their uh, their victim again? Or do they really pretend that the person doesn't exist? Oh, no. So I relate to this directly because uh, I just... Uh, I'm still trying to figure out healthier ways of relating to people, but 
I had this person who was really, really into me and he decided when I was moving that he didn't want to move up with me um, for various reasons because, you know, I was in an open relationship. He felt like a side piece, blah, blah, blah. He was like, I can't just move up to Washington State with you to be whatever. And I took that as an insult and I... I'm the type of narcissist that does this. Like I, I cut people off and I never talk to them again because, um, you know, like there's some people out there that will, will come back and try to like get you back into the relationship. But for me, I just felt like I'm trying to process my feelings. What goes on internally when you do that? Like when you cut somebody off, when you say you cut people off, what goes on internally when you do that? Yeah, I'm trying to process it. It's <laughs> it's like shut off. It's shut off even for me. I mean, like that's the crazy thing. Uh, it's I always tell people this, but like narcissists a lot of times uh, shut off their own emotions and their real thoughts from even themselves. So is that's why action I, is it action absent of feeling. It's like. Yeah, but in a way, there's so much going on under the surface, but most narcissists don't want to take a look at that. And that's the thing, like, because it's painful, because it's difficult, because it's hard, and, you know, it's easier to run away. Um, but, like, what I want people to understand is it, it's not like... On the outside, it probably looks like, you know, this person just used you and threw you away. But it it's more like the narcissist will probably, like, rewrite what happened so that they don't have to feel anything uh about the situation um i always tell people like um i don't know if this is a question i just wanted to go into this real quick but like people always ask me i hate this word but like the love bombing phase was it real honestly in my experience yes those feelings were real but then you know as the relationship progresses um Things can be walled off. It's really, you're dealing with a person that's really, really, really fucked up, really, really fragmented. And so because they're so chaotic, um, you know, they're going to, they're. So do you get some joy from the codependent chasing that love bombing stage? Oh God. What do you get? <laughs> maybe not, maybe that's the wrong question, but what do you get? No, it's okay. It's not the question. It's just the whole like concept of it because like as much as I you know when I was on software I did I did used to do abusive stuff and I I as much as I wish that wasn't my reality it, it just sucks like your questions are making me face this stuff that's why I'm hey, listen I, I I really don't want to step on your toes and I'm really sitting here going I'll tell you what like I'm sitting here thinking like I get a lot out of this I am I do <laughs> I hope you aren't I hope you aren't you know I'm overly glad. triggered by it no not at all I'm glad that you know you're getting something out of this genuinely I am because I it, it's the truth of how I I feel as someone with NPD and um I feel I feel like um god what were we saying what was the question again like do I get something out of it there's this I don't one... love bombing phase what what goes on internally when someone's chasing the love bombing phase and you said your words were well, there's a lot of walls up, right? Like, so yeah, what do yeah. you get from that? What do you feel inside? Do you feel anything? Well, when I'm going through something like that, I feel like I'm idealizing the whole thing where it's like, this is the person to finally feel that void. This is the person that we can have this perfect little life together and blah, blah, blah. And all those feelings are like ecstatic and real. 
But as the relationship goes on, there's like a lot of disillusionment that happens. And if you're unself-aware as a narcissist, you're going to like blame that on the other person. Um, if you are self-aware, you're going to realize that every relationship is going to have its trials and tribulations and things that are difficult. But for a narcissist, it feels like a disappointment. Like, oh, this wasn't the perfect relationship I thought. Oh, man. And then they start to like, you know, y'all say devalue, but like, that's when that stage comes in when there's like a disillusionment oh this person disappointed me like the relationship wasn't what I was what I thought it was going to be um you know now things are difficult um things aren't adding up the way I want them to um where was all that happy times you know in my experience I'm when I was in self-aware I used to miss the happy times just as much and I I would but for me I would get mad at the other person I would be like this is your fault you bring this back like you know like why is this happening like from our standpoint we're like well i'm doing the same thing i was doing in the beginning and why isn't it working well it's yeah i know uh i think that could probably happen for a lot of reasons i think it's the empty the endless emptiness that you know one is trying to fill and it doesn't really happen so you know maybe there's that disappointment maybe it's the fact that you know there's always a honeymoon phase in every relationship as i'm starting to learn and regardless of the diagnosis of the person you're gonna feel like ecstatic happy feelings and we like ride that wave and when it's over the real life hits you know taking care of the kids maybe or doing like I don't know for me since I'm young I've never had kids yet like going to college like uh working up like working out problems that come up in the relationship um and you know when that stuff starts to happen it feels like there's there's clashing and then it feels that's where stuff gets toxic i feel like mm-hmm. that makes sense because you're expecting a person who's like very very fragmented who probably didn't receive love in their childhood properly to know how to love somebody to do to like have a normal relationship or not normal but like non-toxic it's like yeah oh no, i get it i i see you struggling to to put into words and i i see it Right. And and I can I can understand where you're coming from. I just can, you know, like maybe that's the empathetic side of me. But all right. So I have more. Another question. So, yeah, this is clearly one of your followers. And and I think it's important that we we put them on, too. Right. Like, so I know what they said, too. Oh, my God. Well, no, no. Maybe maybe this is the one you think of. But okay, so OCD weirdo says. How does she feel when the world sees her disorder in an ableist light and see her in capital letters only as her disorder that is so misunderstood and so much misinformation about it and not as a person, an individual with actual feelings? I so, mean, that's why. What is, there's a lot of comments on here about ableism. Can you touch on that? Oh, God. So, oh, man, there's this whole culture. So there is a cluster B community out there. God, I love them. You know, they're my family, but like they there's this whole culture of like ableists which are basically people who spread misinformation about these diagnoses and um you know i'm not an ableist (laughs) i'm gonna say you know in my in my personal opinion there's so much misinformation out there that i almost don't blame i can't i almost can't blame people for like getting confused um because there's a lot of stuff how many posts have i seen about like you know narcissists prey on you they're here to cause your downfall it's like we're way you know narcissists are way too like self-focused for that shit man like they're not they're not out here to come after you 
they're just uh, you know just is it that we're because like from my personal from my personal experience is the only thing i can speak on right Mm -hmm. is that i feel like i was the one who was around to be abused and had i not been around then maybe i wouldn't have been abused yeah i mean like no there's a good point to that because when you're i always say like when you're and when you're not a stranger to this person when you're around them their emotional dysregulation is going to come out and they're going to act out because that's who they really are deep inside. That's what they're really dealing with deep down. All this chaotic shit inside, all this stuff they refuse to face, um, that's going to come out when you're close to someone. It's not that they choose you to, like, fuck up or, like, fuck up your life or, like, go after. It's more like, you know, why why, uh, why do all these strangers get treated so nicely? like so nicely by uh this person yeah yeah it's because that they're not they're they don't have to be around for yeah this emotional dysregulation or you know the true oh wow yeah like i mean that's how i see it i i don't (laughs) i think some people personally like think that you know um God, Which I say, would you say image is very important to a narcissist? Oh, God, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, that's why. No, like, because, like, for example, exactly like, I'd... Why, yeah, like, because, you know, um, for me, I want everyone to just see me the way I want to be seen, which is, you know, I, I like the view of myself as kind, and I really wish that I... Ugh, it fucks with my own image when I think about, you know, the fact that I've acted out before and stuff like that. But I'm trying to come to accept it. Like, I want to be seen in a certain way for sure. And um, I'm just trying to, like, feel good within myself. And I'm trying to project what I want to be seen as uh, because that's how I want to view myself. You know, the people around me basically regulate how I view myself. If if people think that I'm, you know, a terrible, horrible villain, uh, I might start believing that about myself. It's like this total reliance on outside and then what do you do? Do you like chase after trying to fix that image or do you hurt that person for not seeing you the way you would like to be seen? Oh man. Well, the thing is, um, I do, I have gotten triggered when someone doesn't see me the way I want them to. And it, it's like this personal, like for me inside, I feel like my world's falling apart and I have to fix it because like my entire sense of self is like, Yeah based on this so I'm like uh I feel like usually offended or like I'm going to fix this no matter what I'm going to like I don't know I've had periods in my life where I've gotten upset at people um or where I've just straight up cut them off um because they didn't see me the way I wanted and that's the thing like I'm not we discussed this a little bit before but I'm not a type of person who reaches out to people that you know I've decided to leave behind because to me the relationship is already disillusioned. It's already. <laughs> I've heard you doing that so much. You're like, <laughs> well, like it's a it's a cross between affirming what I already know and like fuck, like just hearing it from your mouth is like impressive or validating or something. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I like that. Like I want, I in a happy world, you know, people would be able to understand this and receive that validation and you know because you guys didn't ask for this stuff you didn't ask to go through what you did but there also wouldn't be so much um as my friend says ableism or you know like misinformation um you know uh, it's 
I hope the world gets to that point someday. That's all I can say. I mean, I think this is I'm, I yeah, I, no, for sure. I'm generally glad that I can do this. Like, this is why I came on this podcast. So, um, what was I going to say though? It was like important. What were we going over? Well, you were talking about, um, like how you don't, when you're, when somebody leaves yeah. a relationship, you're not going to go back to it because me personally. Yeah. yeah. And there's people out there with, with comorbidities, like borderline personality disorder. Um, and do you know anything about that a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. It's, you know, those people tend to be, you know, there's, there tends to be a lot of, um, you know, uh, obsession in that diagnosis. So, um, people with like, uh, a BPD comorbidity who also have NPD might reach out incessantly to a person that they've left behind, um, you know, cause they're still obsessed with that relationship. But like, for me, I just don't feel the need to do that because I think they're yeah, I feel like the whole thing's disillusioned. Why would I want to spend time with a person who doesn't see me the way I want to? Like, the way I want them to. Yeah. <laughs> so I never, I'm not out here hoovering, I put that in quotes or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hoovering is such, I hate that word, but you know, I'm not out there doing that shit because I don't, why would I want to? Like, and what's even worse is like, if I were to reach out and then they just didn't reply, like, how dare you? Like, I don't. Exactly. Want- well, Tessa, here's the thing. <laughs> mine's not hoovering me mine's not hoovering me and and the reason mine's not and i never fucking struggled no oh, why did she hoovering me i never struggled with that shit you but were done <laughs> i was done but yeah. what you're saying makes perfect sense my i'm already made up in my mind for the listener who can't see me i got my my fingers to my temples right now. <laughs> i'm already made up up here about what she is and who she is and how she behaves yeah she, and she knows she can't change it yeah and like hearing your story, to be honest, um, and the shit that you went through was crazy. I haven't, as a narcissist, I haven't even done half the shit that you said that she did. I listened to like half of it. I was like, "What she did? What?" Yeah. <laughs> I can keep like... listening. Fuck. And it's still going. It's still going. I got a situation going on now, but uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I was like, I was like, you know, you're. I get like why you're completely done with that shit. I mean, I would be too. If someone ever treated me like that, I'd be like the doors that way you know like yeah 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 well tessa we're coming to the end of the hour here right but i got a good question here and i i personally i like the question and you can answer it if you want to you don't have to answer it like ready so it says powerful underscore persona says how the fuck do you live with this disorder okay and like listen listen when you read it like that right when you read it like that i read it like confrontationally right but the spin that i kind of want to the, the spin that i kind of want to put on it is from tessa's point of view you said you're 24 years old yeah what does the rest of your life look like with this disorder oh boy honestly i hope it looks better than it looks now uh i hope that for me i you know the thing is npd can't be cured people are correct about that it's a lifelong thing but it can be managed. And I, man, I feel like I, I wish I'd gone more into like management and stuff, but like, that's not the podcast. Talk well, about it. No, I mean, if you want to. <laughs> People are going to be like, shut up. We don't care. <laughs> my Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to say that. <laughs> my narcissist left me. I don't fucking, I hate them. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I mean, for me, management just means recognizing why I do what I do and questioning like is this really the 
way to be happy. Like, you know, I could just rage out on everyone around me, but is that really the best way to be happy? I mean, I know for sure, like, sure as hell it's not because I have this relationship that's going on five years and the first two years were fucking awful. Um, and I don't want that. So am I willing to, you know, like control some of my behaviors in order for that to not be such a terrible relationship? Yeah, because I've learned to really appreciate um, the love that I receive from this person, uh, knowing that it's not going to fulfill that empty hole inside, but it sure damn well helps a lot. You know, like a realistic view of life, mm. a realistic view of myself. Well, I'm glad that you've come to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, for that's that's admirable, right? Because most of us who have been through a as a person who has experienced narcissistic abuse, we sit back and we go, I just wish that my narcissist could take some accountability. And from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you're taking some accountability, which is really nice to hear. Um, from the other side of the coin, you know, I did hear you earlier in this podcast say, move on from the relationship, you know, like it's 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 really yeah. on a subjective basis um but it's what are yeah yeah and what i can say for this this podcast is you know we gave it our best shot at kind of bridging that understanding between what goes on with a narcissist and how you feel and what goes on internally and i think you from the other standpoint you know you said about my experience you could say fuck you know like i'd be pissed off too if I were <laughs> i'd be i'd be putting that person out my door if they were right, right. so I, tessa i totally get it i think we did really really good for like bridging the gap because it's it's fucking difficult there's a yeah. lot there's a lot left to be done and i really do hope that i was able to validate and also like educate on certain things that people might not understand and yeah that's what I think. It got through to me. If that if that's any consolation, you did get through to me. Yeah, and I appreciate that so much. And awesome. You know, I just want you know, like I also think like the first the first half of the podcast was just me trying to like I don't know like get sympathy from a group of people who are just not gonna have it. And you know, I realized that like I mean, it's I was, important to hear what makes you tick. It's important yeah. to you know. There was a lot of questions on this Instagram post about why you know like what started this and where are you and how did yeah. you know and, and what got you to this place and yeah and my, my 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 uh initial reaction is to be like well you know explaining myself like oh well you know i do this because of this so it's not my you know <laughs> not my fault like or like oh it's about this like it's about my trauma but people people don't really want to you know that's not what this is about you know people People would do well by understanding what's really going on because I don't think that anyone deserves, you know, abuse. I think that if someone is in an abusive relationship, that they should honestly, like, question why are they still in it, what's going on there, like, um, and walking away is completely valid, um, even if, you know, the other person who's unself-aware takes it as an insult because um, they're going through their own shit, but it's not your responsibility to deal with that yeah that's good that's a good final thought well tessa thank you so much for coming on this podcast everybody if you want to follow her she's on instagram and she's on tiktok at spirit.narc all right so follow her, her name is tessa she's absolutely awesome as you can tell from this podcast and tessa, tessa thank you so much for doing this with us thank you so much i really okay. appreciate you having me on no problem well until next time everybody